Hi team and welcome back to the Carb Appropriate Podcast. In this episode I was stoked to chat with Rachel Grunwell. Rachel is an investigative journalist, health and wellness blogger, yogi and the author of the recently released Balance. In Balance, Rachel went behind the scenes and chatted to a bunch of experts in various fields in health and wellness from around the world. It's a great read and it gives you a lot of practical tips to take into your life to live better. I had a great time chatting with Rachel. Uh, She's one of my favorite people in the health and wellness industry down here, and she's done a great job of helping to shed light on some of the great researchers and practitioners we have doing excellent work down here. So grab a coffee, sit back, relax, and enjoy this chat with Rachel Grunwell, health and wellness crusader. Welcome to the Carb Appropriate Podcast. I'm your host, Cliff Harvey. But welcome back to the Carb Appropriate Podcast. Today I'm speaking with my good buddy Rachel Grunwell. Now you you're pretty stoked that I called you a wellness crusader, but that's how I see you. <laughs> I love the term. It's cool. I, I think that puts you in um, in good stead with people like um, well, people you know actually, Pete Evans, Grant Grant Schofield, um, my my good buddy Scott Gooding. I think I've all labelled them that at some point. Oh yeah, they're great people. They're amazing huge respect for all of those names and I think I've interviewed most of them yeah I'm sure you have Mm -hmm. and I mean that that's obviously how I met you um quite a few years ago now you were kind enough to come out and interview me and I think I took you by surprise doing some weird mind body stuff where you thought maybe (laughs) we're going to do some exercise I I was doing the hero the weekly hero column on trying all these health and wellness and fitness ideas yeah and I think I remember at the time thinking, what don't you do, Cliff? Like, yeah, you're amazing. <laughs> well, it's those areas, it's nutrition and mind-body medicine. So I guess, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, that, that might seem pretty disparate to, to people, but it is really those areas that I focus on. Yeah. And since then, obviously, we... Um, background, though, and, you know, sort of achieving in this field as well, as well as your research and, yeah. Well, still trying to, still struggling along. (laughs) So, um, and obviously since then, we've chatted many times about all sorts of things. And it's it's been interesting from the outside looking in because I could be wrong here, but it looks like you've been through a really interesting transition from journalist into sort of health journalist, blogger, and, and now I guess into practitioner, educator to some degree. Yeah. Yeah, I really believe in the power of transformation and mine has been quite crazy. I was a hard-nosed journalist and investigative journalist for 20 odd years. And I used to hold politicians to account, people in power to account. And I used to be able to make amazing change uh, through policies and, you know, standing up for the little guys, um, 
you know, as a writer. So that was my history. And it was by pure accident that I fell into this industry. I was on maternity leave, uh, had my third son, and was just asked if I essentially wanted to be a guinea pig, writing about wellness and health and fitness. And back then, there was a lot of writing work about nutrition in magazines and newspapers, but there wasn't really anything on fitness. So I was kind of like this mm. weird thing. And um, yeah, I ended up loving the industry, falling in love with it, and you know, met amazing people like yourself who genuinely help people and help people transform and live a healthier and healthier life they love, I guess. And I was transfixed. Wanted to be part so of it. Is that what got you into all, all the things you do now? I mean, you, you run, you do CrossFit, you're a yoga instructor. Yeah. Did, did that set you on that path or were you, were you already doing those things? Oh, seven years ago, I was an unfit mom and I struggled to push my then toddler in a pram around the block. I was red-faced. I would huff and puff. I really thought people, you know, the Lady Gaga song, Born This Way? I used to say <laughs> Anyone who was radically fit was actually born different, wired different. They were different to me. I couldn't be that person. I genuinely thought that. And I started on a path and I realized that all you have to do is show up and just keep showing up and you can get fitter. So from unfit mum to multi-marathon, I've run 24, 24 marathons now. Um, wow. crossfitter and trained in the industry. I'm a PT level five qualified yoga teacher, teach mindfulness and meditation and uh, big on restorative yoga, rebalancing the body and mind. And have, I've worked with quite a few um, athletes over the years, like elite runners to weekend warriors and crossfitters and dancers and mums and just everyday Kiwis who just want to stretch. So, so important. I was talking with uh, with the, the guys at Jiu-Jitsu this morning about, we were actually talking about mental health. Yeah. Um, because, you know, you, you might think these wrestlers are all sort of big, big macho guys, which they are, but they, they also have a sensitive side. And we were talking about mental health because we all struggle with it. And they were giving really poignant tips about how to, to improve mental health. And it all comes down to just starting by putting one foot in front of the other you know, and people don't think they can do that, though. That's why I, that brought this to mind, because you say, you know, that song, Born This Way, people think, well, I, I'm born this way, I'm I'm depressed, or I'm bipolar, or I'm whatever, uh, or I'm unfit. Um, but when we think about anything that we ever achieve, we achieve it by doing exactly what you said. We start, and we start within our capabilities, and then we build on that slowly. And I think that could probably be said about physical health physical performance mental health and wellness and even probably you know our spiritual side to health as well that's something we we start and we build on and grow yeah absolutely uh so important i mean movement you know it rewires your brain it, it just is a foundation of your wellness and it's so important but that, you know what i love about you cliff is that you you also love about all the pieces of the puzzle that make us well uh, you know, there's movement, there's the um, nutrition mastery, there's the um, mindset mastery. Uh, yeah, there's so many pieces of the puzzle. And, you, you know, whatever you fall down on uh, is something you can choose to uplift 
happen at any moment. Uh, so powerful. Yeah. Actually, I've got a happiness researcher in my book, Balance. Um, he's uh, Sean Acor. He's one of the top uh, happiness researchers in the world. He's amazing. And he talks well, possibly about, the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did do air guitar down my hallway when he said he'd be involved in my book. Obviously, he couldn't see it at the time. <laughs> it's um, massive. You had some great names in there. I was going to bring up Sean because he's someone I really respect. Oh, me too. Look, um, he's extraordinary. And I, I asked him for my book, um, you know, what he does in a day to stay healthy and happy and they're all really relatable tips, but I love too that he says, he explains that our happiness isn't uh, only linked to genes. Like it's, there's a big portion that we have within our control to work on. And by the way, he has been depressed in his past. Can, can you imagine that? He has all the best tools at his, um, you know, at his fingertips. So I love that. It shows we, we're all vulnerable. We can all fall down with that at any, at any moment. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I would expect that. You know, I think a lot of the people who, who are able to translate that research into application, they, they've been there to some degree as well. Mm. You know, you, you wouldn't necessarily have the, the depth of understanding, I don't think, unless you've actually been there yourself. And as you say, a lot of these, these things that can be applied are actually relatively simple. And it comes down to training yourself to to create the power of habit. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, if you go to go to see a doctor, they'll prescribe movement, and it's such a simple concept, but it's so hard to to do. And like you said, you know, just putting one foot in front of the other. Um, I've mm. interviewed Mark Manson in the um, past, and um, he's yeah, he just said like it's so hard to get your mind around just that, like just starting. Uh, yeah. Starting's a hard thing. Mm. I wonder, and I, I've discussed this with with Mickey Willardin, with Chris Miller, the primal movement expert, and with Scott Gooding. The idea that I think we often, we're always, we're starting with the idea that we need to be doing the best practice guideline or what people recommend as being optimal. So, you know, people think, oh, well, I, I want to get fitter, so I'm going to start running by, you know, going out and doing a 20 or 30 minute run tomorrow because I know I've got to do 30 minutes three times a week kind of thing. But if you've never moved before or not since you're a kid, that's going to destroy you. Yeah. You know, so, so I think one way that people can begin to, to start by taking that first step is make it so ridiculously easy that there's no reason why they wouldn't go on and do, you know, I, I know this sounds stupid, but I get people to start by going for a one minute run. Wow. Yeah, that's cool. One minute run and they're like, you're crazy, right? No, do one minute. The next day do two oh, and then do three, God. four, whatever, yeah. you know, and, and it's, it's so easy that people can actually create the power of habit before they realize they're actually doing anything. Yeah. With clients, um, I, I help people to set them up for success. And I'll say, like, I'm working with this amazing uh, woman at the moment, and I said, oh, you know, for you to be successful, I just want you to move your body 30 minutes twice a week, go out for a walk. So uh, at the end of that week, uh, if she does that, she's 100% successful. Um, but anything she does up and above that is just a bonus. And, and you know, I'm like educating her how it changes how she thinks and feels. And, you know, how it will inspire her kids 
uh, to move as well. Like she needs to be the role model um, and, you know, she needs to propel the change that she wants to see in her kids. And, yeah, just setting yourself up for success with those um, simple ideas. Um, and, by the way, I just saw her this morning and uh, we had just a four-day gap in between catching up and she has moved three out of four days and wow. it's self-driven. So yeah. wonderful. Yeah, I often get clients to, you know, I'll sort of say, well, how many days are you prepared to exercise? Mm. And they, they, they always go for what they think they should be doing, not what they'll actually <laughs> achieve. They say, oh, six days a week. And I say, is that legit? Because if it is, great. But if it's yeah. not, let's do something realistic. That would have destroyed my soul. <laughs> yeah. I do it now. But then when, and I love it. I thrive on it, you know. But yeah. Exactly. You created the power of habit. And, you know, when people are realistic about that and they say, well, you know, I, I can absolutely 100% get in, even if it's twice a week, I'd much rather someone does that, does the two sessions a week, and then anything they do extra to that, they feel like they're one step ahead. You know, they feel like they're they're not just achieving, they're, they're going above and beyond because they are. And it, it's, you know, it's how I'll just never forget that start journey and how hard it was. You know, seven years ago, I walk ran for 30 minutes twice a week and it was so hard. It was horrendous. I looked horrific, uh, the color of a fire engine. <laughs> I didn't enjoy it. It was really hard. But I just kept showing up and, you know, a few weeks down the track, I noticed I was running more than I was walking. And then I would be able to run a little bit longer. And... Then, you know, I got to my first 10K, never imagined in a million years I'd be able to run a marathon. And, you know, all it was was showing up to training, getting stronger, fitter. And, and I did it. And now I help coach uh, people through marathons. And it's the most joyful thing. Um, and I help a lot of disabled athletes actually uh, achieve their marathon dream. And that's a real heart thing. Yeah. Well, and, and you also help a lot of practitioners and you know health influencers and things like that get their message out to more people as well you know you've always been extremely giving of your time to to promote you know people like myself and uh you know other other influencers like mickey and and darren ellis and you know scott gooding and all these other people amazing, uh, amazing people yeah <laughs> was that part of your inspiration for the new book because it, i mean it must have been quite a journey it's a pretty amazing book yeah, so I got a book deal two years ago and I had been writing, um, I mean, I, I was an award-winning journalist um, with 20 years behind me, but just, uh, it's only been in the last uh, eight years, I think, that um, I've been in that sort of wellness and fitness and health niche. And it's when I started that column at the Herald on Sunday and writing about the industry that I fell in love with it, wanted to train and work in it. Uh, and I just, I love propelling people forwards. Like I dig what people do and I want to um, put them out into the world. And when I came to coming up, I mean, when I came to the book idea, I didn't want to just write about me uh, or my health journey uh, or, you know, what I specialize in. I wanted to put together this book of amazing like change makers and trailblazers and people who help change my life, um, you know, experts not only from throughout New Zealand but from throughout the world and, you know, neuroscientists 
psychologists, nutritionists like yourself, you were at the top of the list, Cliff. Um, you know, there's a happiness research in there. You know, doctors who specialize on anxiety, depression, um, but it's a really uplifting book. It, it's about sharing all these toolkits um, and you can tap into whatever you like, you know, emotional intelligence. If you want to uplift that on how to relate better to your kids and your colleagues and your friends, like just read that chapter. Um, I, yeah, so I tell everyone, <laughs> you only have to, see it looks like um, pretty easy to pick up for men and women actually. It's nice and, you know, it's not, blazing pink, candy floss pink. Uh, so I tell people they don't actually have to read the whole book, just read a chapter that you're interested in and want to uplift it. And, and um, yeah, so putting this book out into the world, I really feel like it's a, it's actually truly of service. Like even if they read your chapter, Cliff, and it decodes their nutrition, uh, decodes nutrition for them and helps them move forward. I mean, there is magic in that. Yeah, and, and I really think that, you know, like like we said before, those small impactful things that people can begin to do each and every day, mm. they're massive in, in and of themselves. You know, they create enormous benefits, but then they also lead to just a life better lived. You know, I often talk about this idea of um, linchpin actions. You know, for some people, it's it's getting up and making their bed. If they get up and make their bed, everything else flows better. Uh, for me, it's having a protein shake in the morning because I know if I do that, I'm going to feel better and it's going to help me to eat better later in the day. For some people, it's flossing their teeth. <laughs> for me at the moment, it's CrossFit. I'm quite addictive. I can't believe I've actually become addicted to this discipline. <laughs> a year and a half ago, I could barely lift anything and now I can deadlift 95 kg. Like I'm just this school wow. yogi and... So it's, yeah, it's quite neat um, to have seen that progression and to feel stronger and fitter than I've ever felt in my life. And like, I'm in my 40s and I've got abs for the first time in my 40s. Like, it's kind of a bit weird and <laughs> wonderful, but not from chasing the aesthetic. I just, I love the gymnastics. I love the weightlifting. I'm learning every day. It's play for me. So 6.30 in the morning, that's how I start my day. Um, and man, that, that wires me in this extraordinary way. It's so cool. And you, you started CrossFit as a bit of an experiment, right? You went originally for your column, is that right? I, yeah, I, I went to, to to power my running. I, I'd run all these marathons and I, I was thinking back to when was I my strongest as a runner? And it was when I was doing more strength work. So I joined CrossFit Newmarket. Uh, it's this raw bat cave. Eh? It's just full of like raw iron and, and, and stuff and great, great people there. And yeah, my, my idea was just to go twice a week just to get stronger. So I had more power in my stride. I could get up the hills um, better. But I ended up loving like the play element. Uh, CrossFit's underpinned by 10 disciplines and you know, you've got aerobic, anaerobic, flexibility, um, agility, uh, powerlifting, and yeah, heaps of fun stuff to kind of learn. And it's, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I um, when I first came across CrossFit, it was a long time ago. It was back sort of mid 2000s, I guess, about 2005 maybe. Mm. And at the time, a lot of strength and conditioning people were pretty derisive about CrossFit. 
you know, saying this is stupid, just people getting injured and all this kind of stuff. None of which is true, of course, but people were pretty derisive about it. Mm. I was living in Canada at the time and they asked me to, to go out and coach some weightlifting at a local CrossFit affiliate, which was one of the first CrossFit affiliates outside of the States. And I was blown away because a lot of the, t the times that I was working with top athletes or other strength and conditioning coaches, they'd really want to, they'd sort of say things like, well, how long will it take me to learn how to do a clean properly? It's like, well, don't, don't really know. I mean, it's down to you and how much you put in. You probably never learn to do it perfectly anyway. It's a constant learning process. Yeah. Anyway, I went to CrossFit and their, um, their whole mindset was just around learning skills yeah functional movement right like the squats just pick yeah. something off the ground the um you know the press is just uh you know the movement or action of getting a suitcase down um from you know above and yeah, yeah like i'm impressed by crossfitters they can actually move really well and um yeah well you know runners they've got <laughs> zero flexibility and you know that is, leaves them prone to injury. So, yeah. and now your sort of CrossFit journey is meshed with your yoga practice as well. Yeah. So I'm this weird, weird mix of CrossFitter, endurance runner, restorative yogi, meditation chick, and normally all those worlds like never collide. And CrossFitters kind of looked at me sideways when I walked in, you know, the CrossFit gym. This, you know. Uh, yogi and you know my yogi mates look at me and think oh, it's weird you know lifting <laughs> lifting those heavy weights and stuff but actually it's a beautiful blend and uh, for a couple of years now I've taught at CrossFit New Zealand uh, yoga class um, at Darren Ellis's place and actually he's got this huge respect uh, for recovery work and so we blend really well and so some of his CrossFitters access it, sorry. Um, you know, I get mums come, I get, you know, dancers come along, chiropractors, yeah, anyone who wants to dip in. And, and it's, yeah, it's this great, great space to, to move in and be part of. Yeah, and no, I, I think there is that intersection now. You know, I think uh, at, at Newsies, we called it Lifestyles of Health and Sustainability. It was this idea called LOHAS, right? L-O-H-A-S. And... It was really interesting because our, our biggest markets when we first released were yoga and CrossFit. And we found that there was a massive intersection between those. And we were all into both probably in some way. You know, I wasn't necessarily CrossFit, but I was, you know, weightlifting and wrestling and, and also doing yoga mm -hmm. and have done, you know, yoga for 35 years now. So, you know, there is that intersection now where I think people are really interested in in the movement of the body and all the holistic stuff around it, which really helps us to not just survive, but to, to move into thriving. Yeah, there's that mind-body connection stuff that goes on. And like this body awareness, like where your limbs are in space, obviously with proprioception, uh, which yoga can really help with. But, you know, it's great for focus and de-stressing. Like I deal a lot with uh, busy corporates who just need to calm their yeah. arm, basically. And um, I run these, you know, huge wellness events with a brand, and we have a hundred women, you know, in the room, and some of them will be crying during the meditation time, like they've just taken this time for stillness and self care. Yeah. 
it's 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 extraordinary how everyone really needs that in their life at the moment and i guess that's why it's good timing for my book everyone's kind of searching for balance yeah well i mean the, the release that comes from breath work of which yoga is also a type of breath work you know it's movement and trained with with breath that that can be enormously releasing physically but also um you know you can't un unlock that from the emotional either so you know i remember when i was doing yoga a lot there would often be people would just start to you know to to release whether that be laugh or cry or or fart whatever it happened to be you know <laughs> and that's that's okay yeah. well i mean diaphragmatic breathing calms your nervous system in a matter of moments it is yeah. the most powerful tool you can use um if you're stressed and even kids are use, uh, using it, uh, that and mindfulness, uh, such beautiful tools that, you know, busy corporates really need in their life. Um, but also yeah. kids who are really anxious and, and just need a tool to tap into. Yeah. Well, that, that's one of the things I talked about with Scott a lot was um, because he had, I don't know if I've discussed this with you before, but uh, he does, you know, so many things really well. He, he cooks beautifully he eats well he trains he does so much but he he said on his podcast he had me on his podcast mm -hmm. that he had always struggled to get into meditation and so i outlined that idea for him we'll start with a minute tomorrow Love and he it. developed the habit no. but now i think sometimes people need need things stripped back so much initially i've also been working with corporates on the, the seven second out breath so all they do is try and breathe out for seven seconds. And basically they just keep doing that until they can breathe out for seven seconds. It might only take them a couple of breaths to do it. But in that time, and I think there's research backing this, stress levels just crash. If you can breathe out for seven seconds, it shows that you've basically relaxed your sympathetic nervous system. Yeah, it allows your blood pressure, your heart rate, it calms you, it calms your nervous system down. It's exactly. something that's prescribed uh, by psychologists and like medical professionals. Um, I've got friends who are physios who do that practice in between seeing the next client. And actually, I love um, your advice around meditation. You know what? The first time I ever did it, uh, I felt quite overwhelmed. I was really fidgety. I seriously was the worst fidget in the room. And when I walked away from that yoga studio, the person prescribed 30 minutes a day and I, I, didn't do it. I didn't ever do it because I was so overwhelmed. I thought, I don't have 30 minutes in my day and I just got anxious even thinking about it. Um, fast forward seven years and I teach yoga and mindfulness and meditation and run these really big events and run retreats um, as well for, for a company. And yeah, I share a really similar idea to you. And it's just, yeah, start with one minute and that can be magic, absolute yeah. magic. You don't need to do this stuff for 30 minutes. Mm. So within the new book, I mean, there's obviously lots of tips that you've sort of garnered from that. What were some of the biggest learnings that you took from it or, or was there a biggest learning and you know epiphanical moment that you had when you were writing that book or getting these tips from all these amazing people man i've just transformed in so many different ways like you know unfit mom to multi-marathon and i couldn't lift to deadlifting 90 kg couldn't focus on meditation to teaching meditation 
um, I really worked hard on myself and because I had this huge awareness that like I had no mind-body connection I was uh, it's funny when people turn up to my yoga classes I always say to them you know um, are you getting a tax audit? Because you kind of look like you're about to get a tax audit. You're like, smile at me. Like, I'm not that scary. And I kind of think back that that was me. I couldn't move well. I had zero body awareness. So, mm. look, there are 30 global experts in balance. I've interviewed thousands of people over the years. I've um, really met some truly amazing people over the years. But when I came to writing Balance, I wanted experts from different parts of the wellness puzzle. So, you know, nutrition to emotional intelligence to, you know, um, you know, Kerry Spackman, who's a neuroscientist who helps uh, the All Blacks yeah. perform at their best and our top rowers and Formula One car, uh, racing car drivers. But you know what? The tools he shares with those people who are super successful are tools we can all use. And I've learned something from every single expert in that book, including you, Clive. They've all changed my life. Uh, you know, there's a doctor in there who talks about the five layers of listening. And my God, I realized in the past, I actually never really listened to anyone well. You know, that, that was such an awakening. Um, and, you know, I'm, I continue this journey to, to be a better person, to, to learn more, uh, to connect even more with better, uh, even more with people. So, mm. yeah, like it's a journey that keeps continuing. So it's really hard to pick a favourite. Um, yeah, every, every one of those experts in there is a thought leader and an absolute change maker. And they're all brilliant. Yeah. Well, was there any piece of advice that surprised you or sort of changed your perspective a lot? Anything that shocked you? Yeah, so much. I think you really lose track of the insights you get along the way. But, you know, I think, you know, the top happiness researcher, like we're in an era where anxiety and depression is snowballing and out of control yeah. so you know his wisdom is needed more than probably anything else and you know what he shares what he does on a daily basis to keep well uh is is really um yeah really magical and i love his vulnerability uh and sharing that he once got depressed and you know he he shares that you know you can come out of that you can emerge from that and i think that's that was really powerful for me that yeah, yeah. there's this empathy and this understanding to a very deep level um yeah and this work is just probably needed more than any other work right now it's so important and it's so it's so action-based so it's the, the people can feel empowered mm -hmm. I, I think one of the challenges we have is that we externalize all that stuff and we think, well, you know, I have, or I am, you know, I am depressed or I have depression. I have this thing and I'm going to go to the doctor and they're going to help me by giving me a pill, which is going to rebalance my neurotransmitters. Mm -hmm. Whether that's even the case or not, because the, the evidence is far from clear about whether antidepressants actually work, mm -hmm. but there's not any, any empowerment in there. 
you know, whether or not, and I'm, I'm certainly not deriding medications because as you know, I, I've been through my own health challenges and medications have saved my life, but we need to look outside of that and be truly holistic about it, but also have those very simple and clear action steps that we can start because then we're empowered in the process and we're actually doing something about it. Yeah, I think, you know, this the book helps you understand that movement is a prescription for wellness and like yeah. food that you fuel your body with affects how you think and how you feel. Um, physical exercise propels creativity and your energy levels, but mindset ultimately, actually that's one thing I've probably learned on this journey is that you have the power to be whoever you choose at any moment and the only person holding you back is yourself and I see yeah. that so clearly now. I almost didn't finish my book by the way. I, despite being an award-winning journalist, I had this absolute crisis of confidence halfway through. <laughs> I had a lot of shit going on in my life and I almost walked away. I thought, who, who am I to be writing this book? I'm not a brilliant writer yet. You know, despite my history as a writer, you know, I've been a writer for a lifetime. Yeah, absolute crisis of confidence. And I had walked away from it for months. And then I just picked myself up off the ground. And one thing I'm good at is being quite bloody minded. And I just thought, oh my God, I've got a book deal. I've got the dream ready there. Like, this is something I dreamed of. Like, I can't just stop. So I methodically went through, ticked off, next step, next step. Okay, approach that person in Boston, interview that person in New York. You know, sometimes did that in my pajamas, by the way. <laughs> Weird hours interviewing people on the other side of the world. I just had this huge, you know, list to tick off and get through. And I just became bloody minded about it. And I thought, you know what? If this book gets panned, who bloody cares? At least I would have done my best to, to fulfill that dream. And, you know, I feel so happy now that the book is not only finished and out into the world, uh, but that the publishers have done the most beautiful job. Uh, it looks and feels beautiful, but it's also full of, you know, amazing people. Yeah. They're exciting. They're so exciting. And the amount of times I get messages actually from people who have read my book and tell me which expert they love, and they tell me, and I went and bought their book, and I'm like, wow, awesome. that is so cool. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel really happy that I've, you know, brought together this great tribe. I'm kind of like a girl guide, if you like. I was a real <laughs> crap girl guide as a, um, you know, as a teenager. I was really naughty, <laughs> but gave them grief. But I'm, I'm a really good guide and guiding, you know, exceptional people together. And, yeah, when people pick up my book, uh, they're getting access to a lot of magic there. And my book will propel all the people involved forwards too because uh, there's some Kiwis discovering incredible talent. Is that why my book sales are spiking now? <laughs> <laughs> you're just brilliant anyway, Cliff. You, you're amazing. You're extraordinary. One book almost broke me. I don't know how you keep writing more. <laughs> it's a constant learning process, though, and I think, you know, you said a, a couple of really interesting things there, and I'd love to hear your perspective on, on how you got through that writing process. 
Um, but but I will say before I we get into that, the, you know, when when I look at other other authors and people who have done work that I consider to be really good, um, it, it really drives me to want to be better because there are things that we all do so well and things we maybe don't do quite as well, or maybe we feel we've got to improve on. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, one thing I really appreciated about your book, and I also thought this about the um, the book that Grant and Karen put together, What the Fat, and, and you know, book. Scott's yeah. Scotty's books that he's done in the past, they, they look beautiful. Mm -hmm. And... I, I don't think that's not necessarily my medium, right? I'm I'm just all about the words. Mm -hmm. And so I really appreciate when people have the content there, but they've also got that that aesthetic that's really compelling to people. So I think you've done a really good job with that. It's a really it's a really nice book to look at and I think that goes a long way. <laughs> I know. And I I'm so grateful to um, the publisher. It's hilarious because I work, you know, with this uh, background I have as an investigative journalist and working for newspapers and magazines over the years. Uh, we kind of live and die in the industry by um, taglines on the front cover, like all these headlines that scream out, you know, buy this newspaper because you want to read the story. And actually, yeah. I interviewed Sarah Wilson. The I, she's the I Quit Sugar Queen. Yeah, no, I know Sarah. Yeah, extraordinary woman. And she's in my book, actually, uh, talking okay. sustainability hacks. I could have had her in there, you know, on nutrition, but I thought, actually, no, the magic she is bringing to the world at the moment is changing uh, how we yeah. think about, you know, loving the planet more. Um, yeah, so... Um, um, so just lost my train of thought there. <laughs> I get chatting. It was the aesthetic and the, the, the publisher. Yeah. Um, yeah, so she was she had just put out uh Simplicious Flow. And so I was interviewing her. We had a coffee in a cafe and we just really flowed, got on really well. She's amazing, but she's like one of my heroes. Um, it was a really neat moment for me. And she said she was putting all these taglines on the cover, and she's got this crazy cover, and it's got all these um you know, taglines that scream out or headlines if you like. And when the designer showed me balance for the first time, I kind of went, wow. Because <laughs> I said, wow, I've just met with Sarah Wilson and she's sort of saying that we should, you know, maybe put on the cover all these headlines and, and buy me buy me headlines. And and she said, yeah. Thanks for, thanks for offering that, Rach, but we're going to do the opposite. <laughs> and I went, yes, I love you. Yeah, cool. Honest, yeah. Honestly, you're the expert in this field. Um, all I care about is having a beautiful book, and I just completely and utterly trust you. Like, I'm a writing geek. That's my superpower. I can string words together and um, make words relatable uh, and you know that is my superpower. But design work, I'm shit. So I'm gonna go. <laughs> that's that's over to you. And you know what? I absolutely love the cover of my book now. I have men uh, tell me, "Thank you for writing a book that I can pick up because it's ducky mm. blue. It's not screaming candy floss pink." So there are some authors out there who only want women to pick up their book. Um, and like I coach men yoga. Uh, you know, I, I love working with men, and so that was quite important to me. Uh, I actually ran a retreat recently in Rotorua, and there was one man who turned up, a lawyer. So delightful, and, like, 
in day one, he apologised for being in the room and he said, I'll try and tap into my inner estrogen. <laughs> Poor guy. And I was like, no, I'm so happy you're here. Well, that's funny. because I mean, one thing I would say about the cover of your book, and I think you've done a great job and your designers have done a great job there, is I don't think it would be a book about balance if it was full of, like, clickbaity headlines on the cover, right? <laughs> it, 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 that, that seems strange to me. Um, but it's interesting that I, I've thought about this a lot lately. We see yoga as being this very feminine thing, but... You know, it, it never was historically. It was pretty gender neutral, really. And I, most of the people who introduced it in the very early days to the West were, were guys. You know, they were gurus coming out of India. And that's how I was introduced to it. My dad was doing it for flexibility when he was a runner. So, you know, I was about three years old. He was there doing yoga. So I would just join in. And we had books. Yeah, we, we had books by like Richard Hiddleman and... Um, you know, the, the early books by Iyengar and all, all the, you know, early guys who sort of introduced it to the West. And I never saw it as a, a masculine or feminine thing. It, that never occurred to me until I started going out and doing classes and realized that, oh, wow, this has sort of been, been co-opted by the Pastel Brigade. It's <laughs> funny, I get a lot of crossfitters who come to my classes and they're kind of a bit terrified to come along. They're like, I can't touch my toes. And I'm like, you know, could you lift 100 kg on the day you walked in? Like, why do you expect to be able to touch your toes on day one? Like, I couldn't run a marathon on the first time I try to run. Exactly. <laughs> like, we kind and of, it, you know, it's got to be perfect. Um, or yeah. kind of abandoned stuff. Like, if you have that progression or growth mindset, uh, that's everything. And yeah, actually another thing too is that I love is a lot of people, yeah, they don't want to do that meditation side of things and then they love Shavasana and they're like, Rach, your Shavasana is not long enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that's a funny thing. You know, you mentioned it with yoga. I hear that a lot with meditation. A lot of my clients, because I'll sort of, you know, recommend meditation to them and I'll give them guidelines of how to do it and whatnot. And you know what they most of them say? Oh, I... I can't do that. I can't like sit. I can't sit still for half an hour. I can't. I can't still my mind, or I can't think of nothing for twenty minutes. And I'm like, that, that's not the point. The point is to actually sit in stillness, and your mind's going to wander. You know, your mind is a your mind is a thought creating machine. For most people, it's going to be absolutely impossible to stop it. And if you stop it, you're probably dead. So what's the point? <laughs> But that's, that is the point in itself, is to sit there and become aware of the things that arise and fall. You know, if someone comes to me and they can sit in meditation and be completely calm and still for six hours straight, they don't need to be meditating. They need to go and learn some other skill because they've already probably got that one down, right? In yoga, it's stira and sukham. So it's the worlds of effort and ease. So you need a bit of both, right? You need, um, you know, that adrenaline pumping and getting stronger and you know leaping out of bed and, and getting shit done but you also yeah. need to be able to calm your farm so yeah it's, it's finding that right balance and yeah it's a prescription that's different for everyone sometimes people don't have enough yeah. better in their life yeah well and when i was a kid i was always taught by by both you know the books i was reading and my old man and other we, we did a little bit of yoga at school which was kind of probably weird for the very early 80s <laughs> 
But probably with what you're wearing probably at the time when you look back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we were always taught that there, there is no perfect form. There's no perfect asana. You might um, sort of, you might aspire to that, but what you're doing is what you're doing. Like the, the doing is the key, right? So it's never about, that's why I always thought competitive yoga was, was weird to me. That was strange. I'd, you know, when people are doing yoga competitions? Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> that takes, you know, yeah, I, I teach um, yin yoga, which is restorative yoga. And mm. it's the most beautiful style because no one in the room looks the same. It's because, like, our, our skeletons are different. We're different. And we can't look the same in a pose. And... You know, there are some poses, like take, for instance, like an eagle yoga pose. I can access that with ease because my hips, like the way I am I was born, basically. Um, but, you know, one of the most skilled yoga teachers uh, in this country will never access that pose because of mm. how his hips are. But he can do every fancy trick in the book. It's like it's our genetics. And nor should we like strive for that perfection and oppose it's kind of bullshit actually it's all about yeah. like where you feel the stretch that's where you're feeling the magic like as long as you're in a safe position and you're not compromising say your knees or you know that kind of thing um you can look different in a pose and you know depending on where you hold tightness in the body is you know where you're going to feel the stretch intensely as well so we're all different hey yeah so given that yoga is such a, a focal point for you now, is that sort of one of the things that key, that's critical to your health and balance on a day-to-day -day basis? You, you do yoga every day? Yeah, and I, I, the way I teach is I educate and I empower people. Like my mission is that my students don't actually need me. Uh, I teach mm. people all the time, like what? areas of body are stretching, how, how to rebalance your body uh, and mind and, you know, what they're doing. Like, I really want to empower people. And that's what I use every day. Uh, I When you run long distances, like I'm going to be training a disabled athlete for the New York Marathon soon. And how I stay in one piece is because I stop, I tune in, mm. I listen to my body. Where does, it, where does, where does a niggle need ironing out where do i need mm. to balance stretch and um you know rollering uh using trigger point i use it all like recovery is key to, to carrying on and as a crossfitter you know i need that even more yeah so, so a couple of minutes a day you don't need to yeah glue down yeah. for an hour yoga <clears throat> like yeah it's great and uh, i run a workshop and I say to people, look, you know, just turn up for a workshop series for 10 weeks. Uh, it's one hour, once a week. Uh, come and learn some very cool stuff and you'll have it with you forever. It'll help you. And that's yeah. cool to share. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and again, that comes down to the the achievable, right? I think a lot of people think, oh, what's the point of going once a week? But that's 52 sessions in a year. It's it's You could do a lot with 52 sessions. Yeah, even if you do it for the de-stress and breath work, Wow, you know, I have a lot of chiropractors who come and see me uh, to do mm. that essentially. 
uh, I'll work with athletes and they'll come for the asana, the, the physical practice, but they end up loving the mind stuff um, and body breath work and meditation side even more. Yeah. Mind and stuff. But yeah, I, I love it. I love sharing it. And actually the greatest kick I get out of it is I'll share, like I ran a retreat at the Polynesian Spa just a couple of weeks ago and actually, it's really common that a lot of people don't want to come along because they're terrified of the yoga class, just one yoga class in the weekend. Yeah. Because uh, they say, I'm not good, I'm not flexible, I, I can't do that, you know, can I just skip it? And um, they bravely show up. And, you know, one woman shared after the last re retreat, I was so scared to do it, didn't want to do it. But, oh, my God, I loved it so much. I want to do it again. And, yeah, wow. That made my day. <laughs> yeah, cool. It's such a funny thing we have where we, you know, we go to the gym or we go to a yoga class or we go, you know, and do do some class and we we want to be good at it immediately. We don't want to look foolish or we don't want to look silly, all of which is bullshit anyway. <laughs> you know, very few people actually care what you look like in a yoga class. Yeah, you've got to be brave to show up and try these things. Yeah, absolutely yeah, that's the hardest part being brave enough to show up yeah and it, that's true for anyone you know that's not true just for a beginner i um sort of had a crisis of conscience the last few weeks i've been feeling a bit down you know have have relapsed a little bit with my bipolar stuff and i messaged one of the guys at jujitsu and said look dude i I haven't been able to get in because i just don't feel like i can i don't feel like i can get up in the morning you know and uh, I've been doing jujitsu for 10 years. You know, I, I'm not an, I'm not a beginner, yeah. but I still didn't want to go back after having a few weeks off feeling like I had to start again or all this rubbish that goes through your mind of, oh, I'm not going to be any good anymore, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and all it took was a word from a mate to say, hey, it's cool. We all feel like that, you know? And he's a high level brown belt. So he's just, you know, a step under black belt. He's a, you know, very experienced practitioner. And he basically said, look, we all feel like that sometimes. So, you know, no matter how experienced we are, I think we can still just get off the wagon enough to, to feel like we're not going to be able to do it. And that's where our sort of our fears and our ego really rise up. Yeah. And thanks so much for sharing that. You know, it's really powerful to hear that because we're all human. We all fall down on our knees sometimes. And, you know, it's easy to forget that. Um, I don't know about you, but I get a lot of people who say to, say to me, oh, you know, you're a businesswoman. You, you know, you run a business. You seem to be doing this, that, and the other. Uh, you're kind of like superwoman. And I kind of hate that too. Because, <laughs> you know, we're all trying our best. But, you know, I can't live up to that cape creature. And how you're feeling is how I feel sometimes. And some days are tough. And But, you know, the magic in that is, you know, you had this community to tap into to help you, help lift you up again. And, exactly. you know, it's called the group effect. So, like, if you're yeah. going out working out on your own, uh, it doesn't help you as much as if you're connecting with a group that cares about you because there's that social connection as well which really helps um and yeah I, I can't you know recommend daily rituals it's what I call daily rituals um enough and you know jujitsu is a ritual that helps keep you well and happy and healthy and 
like my cross, you know, CrossFit's a bit of a ritual for me at the moment. And whatever, it doesn't matter if it even changes, but just have rituals in your life that, you know, help yeah. strengthen you. I agree 100%. And I know that it's interesting now because there's a bit of a swing back against the morning routine. You know, a lot of people saying, oh, I don't do a morning routine. Morning routines are stupid. And, you know, they're sort of <laughs> backlash against against people like Tim Ferriss and whatnot. Like, I, there's nowhere else I, I need to be. I can't be washing my hair at that time or get an appointment. Like, uh, that, and, you know, I love getting in and getting it done. But it doesn't matter when you get it done. It just matters that you take time for self-care. No, it, it doesn't. And that, that's 100% right. And that's why I think the idea of, you know, when people get dogmatic about a morning routine, they're kind of losing the, the point. Totally. I'm a big fan of morning routines purely because for a lot of my, for myself, for a lot of my clients, me as well, um, if I don't get certain things done first thing in the morning, I'm not sure that I'll actually get them done later in the day. <laughs> and so it's critical, right? That's how every morning I wake up and I have a glass of water I have my big protein smoothie with my greens and all that kind of stuff in it, <laughs> have a coffee with my partner, and then I write yeah. every morning. It's the same routine every single day. And I, I'm sure it's the only reason that I've been able to put out a fair amount of content is because writing to me is the most important thing. So I do it each and every day. Yeah, you're amazingly disciplined. But yeah, you have this ritual of how you rise and I'm the same. Like, I've got this never-ending to-do list. Like, seriously? <laughs> like, it's like whatever deadline is screaming at me next. Um, but I, you know, I unapologetically take time for self-care. Uh, actually, it's that's probably my biggest message with clients um, and running a lot of wellness events, actually. I come across a lot of people who feel guilty about self-care and I'm like, no, honey, like, the ha you know, healthier and happier you are, the better yeah. you can be to your loved ones. And, yeah, that's a key message. Just be unapologetic about taking that time for you and getting those rituals in. And for me, like, you know, if I start my day with a run or yoga or CrossFit, it, you know, sends the chemicals flying in my body. I feel pumped to start my day and... Mm. I just feel good. I feel different. And, you know, my next ritual is like you. I, I have a coffee and I sit. I'm still, I'm mindful. And I, I just savor the moment. Like, it's my reward after working out. And it, it's my ritual. I do it every day. And I love it. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, scheduling, not just having, you know, an idea that you're going to do things for yourself, but actually scheduling it is so important. And I often ask clients, you know, how often do you cancel on your doctor's appointment or, you know, a client coming to see you? How often do you cancel that? And they're basically like, never. I never do that. How often do you cancel your own appointment or shift your appointment for someone else or whatever? And it's pretty frequently. And I, I think we need to give ourselves one thing it gives us when we set those firm commitments for ourselves is that's telling us in a different way that I'm important. You know, I'm important. My health is important. And when we prioritize that, we can be so much more effective for all those people that we can help and influence as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, 
no, I, I'm a parent and like I don't care if my kids run marathons or whatever, <laughs> you know, just do whatever moves you um, to help keep you healthy and happy. But yeah, and a client I'm talking with at the moment, um, you know, that's how I kind of get through to them um, often, actually. I'm just thinking of this particular one because she's seen me freshly this morning. But it's like move for you and, you know, I want you to be well and healthy and happy. But you know what? You're modeling. You're modeling for your kids and mm. inspire, the, inspire them. You know, it's, you know they, they need to see that as well. And, and um, you know, it just makes you think and feel good. But, yeah, it's, uh, you influence those around you. Uh, influence is an actual real thing. And funny enough, if you're not moving enough, then, you know, Get in touch with someone who is and surround yourself with them a little bit and they'll inspire you to, to move and yeah they're good people to be around yeah yeah that, that's a really good take home i think for people is that group effect and i think you know we can often feel we're reluctant to do that i think you know ego gets in the way and we don't want to appear foolish in front of other people and all that kind of stuff but the the benefit of being around people is is massive you know whenever you've got something really crazy going on in your head and you tell someone about it you realize actually that wasn't that big a deal mm. <laughs> you know it's the same thing the um actually a prescription for wellness too which is in the book is finding flow and like you and i mm. do it through movement but you can do it through music as well uh, you can probably see in the background you can see my alto sax that way oh cool yeah yeah um like i've played that since i was a kid and you know wow it, it doesn't matter how you find flow but it is a science back thing it's um you know it's been immersed in the moment immersed in the doing uh you've got to have quite a high skill set in order to find flow so you've got to be quite good at it so like when i first started running i was really crappy at it you know i hated it it was hard i couldn't find flow but once i got uh, proficient at it like I, it's like moving meditation to me now I feel so good in motion I feel so good at running uh, but I can also find flow through playing the auto sax and you know like a surgeon can find it uh, through mid-surgery like their skill sets so mm. high they won't even notice there's music on in the room uh, they're so good at what they're doing so immersed in the moment and the doing and yeah. they get lost in the moment so yeah however you find flow however it may be just do more of it yeah and and how amazing as well that you've got that diversity of things that you can do as well from music through to movement through to writing you know whatever else you know i think I'm such a creative freak but don't ever give me to do maths because <laughs> i'm really that might have to be next right what's that that might have to be next. Oh, no, I don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I can do enough accounting for my business to do okay, but yeah. Oh, there we go. You're covering that one. Yeah. <laughs> I know where my strengths lie and, and things, but yeah, quite funny because I love sharing that I wasn't always this uh, fitness uh, freak, uh, fitness geek, if you like. I, um, you know, when I was at school, I used to, you know, skip the cross country and I was in I was a lead saxophonist in the Rotorua Orchestra and I could always say I've got a music lesson see ya yeah. <laughs> I was so naughty 
Um, but yeah, I wasn't into that physical um, mastery at all. And I was into music mastery and that was really good for my head. Uh, but yeah, it's so nice to, to have that now as an adult. And yeah, it's really wonderful to be, you know, to have music and, and, and now, you know, movement in my, in my life. Mm. Yeah, I think constant learning of, of very diverse things is just so important for the mind as well you know, to continue to learn and grow, but do, do it in different areas. You know, I recently, um, I always said, when I was young, I always wanted to play the bass guitar, right? And I thought, oh, I'm too old. As a kid, I kind of thought, oh, I'm too old because all my friends are musical and they're already playing instruments. And then as a teenager, same thing happened again. I was like, oh, I could start now, but I'm, I'm way too old now. All my mates are in bands, they're competing in competitions and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Then in my 20s, I thought, I'm way too old now because... <laughs> my friends and their band had just lost their bassist and they were doing really well up in the States and Canada. And I thought, I'm too old. <laughs> Tell you what, at any point, if I had a started, I'd be pretty awesome now. Right? <laughs> so a couple of years ago, my sister sent me a um, ukulele. And so I started playing that and oh, I, I didn't really like the ukulele too much, but I actually grew to like it. And now it's just an interesting thing that I, I pick away on at times. And I, I find it really good for the brain, if nothing else. It's fun. Actually, <laughs> uh, one of my kids played it for a while and it was sounding so cool. Um, yeah, ukulele rocks. And actually, yeah. musical instrument. Hey, it's just there's magic and being lost in the moment, and yeah, yeah. of sound so good. Although I, I did pick up the didgeridoo when I was probably in my early twenties, I think, and I, so I, I've played that. I actually played didgeridoo on stage with Like a Storm once, who are New Zealand's biggest rock band, <laughs> and um, I also played didgeridoo for backing tracks for the Power Rangers TV series. No way! Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we, you talk about doing diverse things because it's good for the brain and good for balance and stuff. I, I, I managed, um, road managed like a storm on a tour of the US for about six months. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah the power of play. Eh? Um, actually, there's this really cool, um, really cool story around, um, like just back to that, you know, being guilt around not taking time to learn new things or do new things. I remember interviewing a uh, um, fashion designer, Tanya Carlson, um, on a piece on creativity. And like, she's one of New, New Zealand's top designers. And she was saying, you know, when she first learned to surf, she felt really guilty. Like she had to, you know, had this endless work to do list, obviously. But you know, you actually are at your most creative when you're um, in flow. So she talks yep. about this time where she was out uh, in the sea, out in West Auckland, and she just looked on the horizon at the time and she saw this palette of the most beautiful colours and that inspired her next collection. So that was the most important work she did that day. <laughs> I love I love that, yeah. Yeah, it's so true. I, I, um, I've noticed that a lot recently, <clears throat> you know, particularly finishing my PhD, I didn't realize just how much I was devoting to that in addition to all the other stuff. And then as soon as that time was, was freed up again, and I was able just to have a slightly shorter work day and go out for a walk and things like that, the, the creativity just starts again. 
And I, I think it's so critical to just have those times, like you say, in flow, but also as simple as shortening your workday a little bit. You know, pe people smash themselves and they're not productive. Yeah. The, the ma maximum productivity time they reckon is around 37 hours a week working. Totally. More than that, not only do you start to become less productive per hour, but you become less productive overall because you end up being exhausted. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, I talk about uh, living your life on purpose uh, quite a lot. And it's just like, you know, where are you putting the hours in your day? And, you know, what's the most um, important thing to you? <laughs> my latest one. Oh, brilliant. Oh, my God. Great, great minds, eh? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, brilliant. So on trend. Uh, your book's really re needed right now. Um, yeah, because the way people are living is, is kind of crazy. You know, like we're kind of killing ourselves for a paycheck. But that's, that doesn't bring you happiness. Um, living, you know, a life full of purpose um, you know, will get you there. Yeah, and unfortunately, I think a lot of our, I write about this in the, the new book, actually, a, a lot of our time outside of work. So we're doing those things in work to try and make the paycheck and all that kind of stuff. We're possibly exhausting ourselves there. And then our downtime to relax is scrolling social media where we're seeing all these very unrealistic ideals of, of who people are and begin, beginning to become more and more depressed because we, we feel we can't live up to that. <laughs> Which, which is why I think it's so it's so important for people like you to, you know, like you said before, people will say, oh, you must be a superwoman. You're like, uh, <laughs> I, I've got all these other foibles as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think you should be proud to say, yeah, I am a superwoman, but <laughs> I'm also, you know, I have my challenges and they, I, I'm very real about those challenges because then people can say, okay, well, I, I relate to that even more. Yeah, hence the crisis of confidence with the book. Oh my god, the thought that it almost never got out, like, what was I thinking? Um, but yeah, you just got to be brave and doing stuff, right? Yeah. I um, In Time Rich Cash Optional, which was my second I love book. book. Yeah, it's good. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm always embarrassed about a book that I've released probably around 10 years ago now. I'm always embarrassed looking back on books because I feel that they're a snapshot of where I was and I've grown since then. But on the other hand, if people got, you know, something out of it, then I'm completely appreciative for that. But I had a really interesting talk with Grant Schofield about it. And he said, you know, I, he enjoyed the book, but he said, you know, it, it felt like it was just a little bit one dimensional in that it was, it was very positive and optimistic. And he almost felt like it needed a little bit more balance there. And I, I've been thinking about that a lot over the last few years. And so in the latest book, I was very open about my, my journey to this point, you know, some of the things that have affected me, you know, from, um, you know, drug abuse through to, you know, uh, a life of crime and all that kind of stuff, things that I was involved in when I was younger. That's that, why I liked you, Cliff. <laughs> <laughs> but probably like yourself, it's very, it's very difficult to actually write that stuff down and then put it out because none of us know how it's going to be received. You know, people might just write you off at that point thinking, well, you know, who is this person? Yeah. Look, I think it's really important to be, to be vulnerable and to be real and raw as much as possible because that's your relatability point, you know, and yeah. all that, like, 
you're a wanker if, you know in this world if you pretend to be anything else you know um and yeah i, I share quite a lot um with clients and you know at, at, at events where i'm speaking at or whatever you know I, i'm not the best mom no i'm not there doing reading duty every week um you know i could feel terribly guilty about that <laughs> but you know what i you know i do charity work I do some stuff that really matters uh, in my life, and yeah, actually, actually, um, I'll never forget. Like, I get this a bit. Actually, I give time back for charity to help runners uh, run marathons, and sometimes it's yeah. in New York. And in the past, I've had uh, actually mostly women, <laughs> which is quite interesting. Say, so, oh, you must have an understanding husband, or wow you're away from the family for a whole week <laughs> and and it's like yeah i'm i don't have to be a helicopter parent my kids um seeing me help someone else there's yeah. magic in that like my kids are learning what kind kindness looks like like i don't have to be there every second of the day um my managing them yeah yeah it's it's a weird sort of negative spin on whataboutism you know oh you're doing this good work what about your kids to me they're they're not mutually exclusive you know i i don't think we i don't have kids so i'm not speaking from experience but i'm speaking from the experience of having been a kid (laughs) and i um you know i used to love it when my parents went away (laughs) because it gave me it gave me a chance to grow and i would get to go out and stay with my auntie and uncle in up in Helensville in the Kaipara and I cherish those memories because if they hadn't have taken time for themselves they probably wouldn't have been as good a relationship as they had and they had an amazing relationship Uh, my mum's passed away obviously and um that also gave me that time to be up north with my auntie and uncle and to get to know them and you know my my uncle's passed away now for for quite some years and so it's there's opportunity in all of those things you know it's all an opportunity to to learn and grow when it's based in love yeah and you know same with my kids i don't need everything they need from me like there is magic and connecting with their community and like hanging out you know with friends um and reaching out to friends and saying hey i'm going away can you help out with Lockie with this event um yeah or whatever like you know, Lockie then gets to hang out with other kids and connect with them. And yeah, like community is so important. You know, I I don't need to be everything to my kids. Um, yeah, I love that they're self-sufficient and they're, you know, they're learning to do stuff on their own. They don't need me, you know, cotton. Yeah. <laughs> and that idea of community is a great note to end on because you've pulled together a pretty amazing community of people in the book um you, you've done a, a brilliant job with that and i think people will take a huge amount from from the book in terms of applicable tips that they can start to use right now so where can people find out more about the book Rach? uh so it's for sale in well most good bookstores actually um so it's kind of like a ducky blue color um it's <laughs> paper plus it's in wet calls. i'm selling it on my website inspiredhealth.co.nz so it's inspired with a d inspiredhealth.co.nz 
It's on beatnikshop.com, Book Depository, Amazon.co.uk, uh, Mighty Eight. So it's it's basically everywhere. Yeah, it's so cool. Awesome. <laughs> so exciting. Actually, you know, social media, a lot of people talk about this being quite a hard thing um, and quite a negative world. I've had the most amazing experience uh, putting out my book and getting daily messages from people, you know, sending me pictures of parts of the book they love or telling me which experts they love and, you know, whose book they're buying next, who they found through my book. Um, but yeah. I love the pictures. You know, people send pictures of them reading it in, like, Fiji and Canada. And, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's wicked. And, like, through my website, my little website, I get orders from like Gore, um, yeah, to, to Canada, to Australia. Yeah, it's super exciting. Love it. That's really cool. And, you know, I, I agree with you. I think that, you know, we can be disparaging about social media because obviously in, in certain contexts it can provide a negative stimulus for people. But in another, it, it's basically the, the neural network of our new expanding society, right? So exercise well it's it's brilliant i mean how else can we connect with people on that level we can't yeah i get to connect with some amazing um like runners and crossfitters and yogis and it's this epic community and yeah i love connecting with it i i seriously enjoy it i'm on instagram just under my name rachel grunwell and seriously like it's it's so much fun like i love that platform and i loved it love it as a connector it's really cool. Yeah. But actually, by the way, it was on breakfast TV yesterday and I had my first uh, bit of bullying on social media. Really? <laughs> there, um, uh, there were some um, interesting comments, probably, you know, what do you call them? Fish, catfish or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> one of them was giving me a hard time. So, that chick's into keto. <laughs> like, she doesn't like carbs. <laughs> and I was like, nothing in the interview was about carbs, but it's like, <laughs> so funny. It cracked me up, actually. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Sage Council from, um, you know, guys like, Joe, guys like Joe Rogan is just to not ever read the comments. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't respond to any. There, there were some other ones saying, you know, I should got cheek fillers or something on. I was like, no, these are my natural chubby cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> but I just thought, no, I'm not even going to, you know, engage with those kind of comments. But, um, yeah, look, 99.9% of my, um, you know, experience through uh, Instagram and things has, has just been really positive and I've connected with an epic community. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're not saying anything that is ridiculous or you know excessively controversial or you know you're not trying to get that response and i think a lot of times without realizing it people are actually trying to get any sort of response whether it be positive or negative you know rather than just putting out good information and and come what may yeah, yeah that's true and yeah, yeah. what's your spirit of intention and i guess most of my spirit of intention is good i just want to inspire people to live healthier and happier and expose them to, to epic um, people in this industry so it's generally a positive thing um and yeah i think you know you know i posted myself lifting some weights yesterday you know some people would say oh that's so ego driven 
But like, I'm so proud of that. And you know what? I'm, I've inspired a couple of people to start lifting. So I'm super excited about that. I think, yes, that, that's really cool. Glad I shared that. Well, it, it fits in with the whole theme of balance, right? You're doing all these various things and you're just letting people in into your life to see that. Yeah. And, and in whatever shape or way it comes out for you, uh, yeah. uh, actually one of the experts on balance uh, is a researcher on dance and by the way I've got two left feet I can't dance to save myself I did a column once um, with Aaron Gilmore from Dancing with the Stars and I was worse at dancing than a certain politician you might remember <laughs> but this research explained it doesn't matter how good you are at dancing uh, you still get the same joy, you still get the same physical and health benefits, no matter how good you are at it. And I, yeah. there is such a beautiful message on that. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Rage, we'll make sure we put up all of your links in the show notes um, so people can check those out as well. Um, but obviously they can find your website and find you on Instagram. Like I say, we'll have all the uh, links up there in the show notes. We could probably talk for several hours, but I know you're a very busy person. So thanks so much for being on the Cover Appropriate podcast, Rachel. Oh, absolute pleasure. And yeah, so much respect for what you do in the wellness industry. Uh, you're incredible. And look, it's I feel very, very grateful to be interviewed today by you. Thank you. Uh, the pleasure is all mine, Rachel. Thank, thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Carb Appropriate Podcast. To support the podcast and receive member-only benefits along with free articles, go to cliffharvey.com. Subscribe to the podcast on all popular podcast channels and to our YouTube channel at holisticperformance.tv.